Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. We're going to go to the book of Joshua. You go, wow. Christine, what, what a week it's been. There, there is no doubt about it. It's, um, it's a, an incredible week. And I'm on uh, day 19 myself of um, like our, you know, we're making sure that we're doing everything right as a church. It's, it's me, it's the cameraman, and it was great to have some uh, musicians and pastor. But, you know, we, we're doing everything we're supposed to do when it comes to um, social isolation and making sure that we are protecting the vulnerable, that we are doing everything. It is so important that we honor our authorities in this hour. Um, And we're believing for a cure for this COVID-19. We're believing that people will continue to be healed and the gospel will go forth. In the meantime, we do everything we're supposed to do. Now, when you're our kind of personality type, you're like, whoa. But I'm telling you, I think I'm going to speak to us from the word about how God is, if we would let God use this time in our lives. This could be the single greatest time of both personal and expansive church growth that we have ever seen. So it's my privilege to be with you today. So we're going to go to Joshua chapter 5. My first ever message here at Oceans, and some of you are going to be freaking out. You're going to want to come to church. Um, I'm telling you, and you're going to want to log on next week and whenever it is that we can gather again. In the meantime, we're coming right to you, right where you are. You're going to want to come because you will not believe this kind of stuff's in the Bible. If you've never read the Bible before, you're going to be like, nobody told me this stuff was in the Bible. So the scripture says, as soon as all the kings, and we're in Joshua chapter 5, as soon as all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the people of Israel until they crossed over. Their hearts melted and there was no longer any spirit in them because of the people of Israel. This is fascinating. It goes on, it says, At that time the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. I know all the guys watching this, you've just crossed your legs right now. And I've never been happier to be a woman in my life. And it says, so Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at Gibeath Harloth. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. You'd want to have a reason. This is... This is before there was ever any anesthetic people. So just go with me. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the males... Of the people who came out of Egypt, all the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way after they'd come out of Egypt, though all the people who came out had been circumcised, yet all the people who were born on the way in the wilderness after they had come out of Egypt had not been circumcised. Let's just pause for a moment and I'm going to give you a little bit of context right where you're sitting. You can have a sip of coffee if you need to right now. This would be great. But the children of Israel had been 430 years in bondage and in slavery in Egypt, 430 years, crying out to God. God delivered them miraculously, miraculously. Then they were in the wilderness for 40 years. So now we're up to 470 years minimum. And Nick and I, my husband and I oversee the A21 campaign. So We certainly understand a slavery mindset. The goal of the A21 campaign is to abolish slavery everywhere forever. Today, there are more slaves on the planet than they've ever been in the history of humanity. And so 
I understand what it is to, to know people that have been in slavery, that have been in bondage. And so the children of Israel were in slavery for 430 years. Then they were in the wilderness. So you would think at this point, they would do whatever was necessary in order to go into the promised land. We're talking almost five centuries of slavery in their line. The Lord had promised them Canaan, the promised land. We pick up this text in Joshua chapter 5 where the children of Israel finally, after all of this time, were about to step into their Canaan. After almost five centuries... They were about to step into what God had promised them. Some of you, you were feeling like that right there. I was just about to step into that job promotion. I was just about to get that career breakthrough. I was just about to see. It was all there. You're like, God, we're about to step into our Canaan, into our, we've got some momentum as a church. We're about to move on. This is about to happen just before. They were to walk into the promised land that God had promised them way back in Deuteronomy. He said, you're going to go in and you're going to inherit that promised land. Just before they did, the Lord said, hang on a minute, just stop. Just stop. Before you go in, the promise is yours over there in Canaan. But this is what I want you to do. I want you to stop and circumcise the sons of Israel again a second time. Because a generation had come out of bondage. A generation had come out of slavery. A generation had been born in the wilderness. And the generation that came out of bondage, that generation had had their own cutting away. That generation had paid their own price. But now God had raised up another generation that was about to go in and inherit the promise. But the Lord was saying, this generation cannot go in based on the price that was paid by the generation before them. Every generation must pay their own price. Let me give you a New Testament example. In the book of Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Therefore then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us so that we can run unhindered the race that is set before us. In many ways, all of us right now where we are in this moment, this unprecedented moment in history, we're having an enforced circumcision, spiritually speaking. And you're all very grateful. It's not natural. And so the fact is that spiritually there is this cutting away that is happening because when God wants to take us into more that he has for us to possess the promise. He says there's got to be a laying aside of certain things, some things that are hindering you, some things that are holding you back from moving into the fullness of everything that I've got for you. So he said, we're going to lay aside the weights and the sins. And the fact that the writer to the Hebrews says weights and sins, two different words, suggests there's a couple of different things in this season when we're all in social, we're socially isolating, when we're all in our homes and only going out for essential services. Okay, so here is the deal. Maybe this is a time. Instead of just scrolling through one Netflix show after the next Netflix show or just mindlessly wasting your time saying, God, what are maybe some of the weights? and sins that I need to get rid of in this season because there's a promise ahead. There's a promised land coming ahead. So in this season, what are some weights and sins? What weights and sins? A weight could be something that's good. A, a, a weight is different to a sin. So a weight could be, it could be the people that you're hanging out with. They could be actually people that even maybe led you to the Lord. 
They're heaven bound. There's no doubt about it. But you come to church, you get into a small group, you get into a faith environment like this. You take 10 steps forward, you're ready to go for it. Then you get around those people and all of a sudden, they're like, you know, God doesn't require that much of you. You shouldn't be giving so much or serving so much or putting in. And you just, all of a sudden, you've taken 10 steps back. Those very people that helped catapult you this far into your Christian life have suddenly become a weight, an anchor. They're holding you back from what God has for you. It could be a level of serving. You've been serving at this level in church life. And you know what? It's not business as usual anymore. Everything's changed. And you are about to have a new level of breakthrough. So if you keep serving at this level, this thing has now become an anchor, a weight. It's holding you back because your next level of breakthrough is here. Could be a level of giving. You've been giving at this level. It's good. It's not a sin. But the truth is you're believing God for breakthrough and he's saying, yes, your next level of breakthrough is coming. Your level of giving elevates up to here. So if you now keep giving here, that's become a weight, an anchor. It holds you back. We could go through every sphere of life, a level of thinking, or it might be a sin. Now I know, I know some of you are like online going, did she just say sin? Is that still a word? I know. In our relativistic, secularized, privatized, postmodern 21st century, and we're all so enlightened, and we're all just so, you know, we've moved beyond. You go, Christine, that is just such an outdated word. I don't know, kind of looking around the world right now. Yeah, I'd be wondering. Let me tell you what the results of sin are. This this current pandemic, this certainly is not from God. People go, you know, did did God do, what do you mean? God God doesn't have a sickness to give to us. So he's a good God. He's a good father. He gives us every perfect and good gift comes from above. This current thing that we're in is a result of the fall. We live in a fallen world. So if you maybe never even thought that this thing is real, I'm telling you, sin is real because we're all living in the consequences of what that is in a fallen and a fragmented world. But maybe it is sin. Now, you know, we, we don't like that because we're like, I don't really want to offend people and I don't really want to, you know, and yet there's a breakthrough on the other side of it. When I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer a few years ago, I remember that I uh, imagine when I went to UCLA hospital here in LA, if the doctors had done the biopsy, had done the MRI, came back and they knew. So they said, hang on a minute, we're going to have a meeting in a room. So they sat in a room and had a meeting and said, we know definitely that Christine has got cancer. But the issue is we we don't want Christine to feel bad. We, We really don't want to offend Christine. We we don't want Christine to feel judged in any way. So how about we tell her that she's got maybe just a some sore throat and we'll give her a couple of Tylenols and everything will be fine. Well, if we did that, you would actually think that it would be the right thing for me to do to sue that doctor. (laughs) That doctor would have their license taken from them and they would never practice again. I mean, that's just what would happen. That would be called medical malpractice. So I'm not quite sure why anyone would want me 
to operate in spiritual malpractice. I don't know why anyone would want me to not say something is. Listen, the ailment of humanity is sin, but here's the good news. I'm so glad you logged on today because he is the good news. There has to be bad news for there to be good news. The good news is that there is a cure for the ailment. It's called the blood of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It sets people free. It forgives us and it brings freedom. So maybe this is a time to say, you know, what is it? When I thought my marriage is a mess, but maybe what I've been looking at at my computer when my spouse is asleep, maybe it's time to address that issue. Maybe in some other areas of my life, it's time to go, you know what, in this season of being in isolation and being in a place where I have to stay at home, maybe instead of feeding some of those addictions and those habits that are causing my life to go down a pattern of destructive behavior and just bringing pain and heartache, maybe it's time to cut it off. Maybe this could be a season where God could do a deep word and we could cut it off. So the Lord said to the children of Israel that it's time to cut it off. We as a church, we as a church, this is awesome. Look what the Lord has done. Look where we are in your home and all the amazing things that God has done. And we're only 18 months old. Old and I love that pastor counts by the months. I didn't even know that he could be as old as 450 some months. I mean, seriously, that's because he's not at my age yet. By then, you do not count months. You just count years. I'm only 54 years old, and so that's where it goes. But here is the deal. Here is the deal. That in the midst of it all, that where we are, what the Lord's given us, even the ability for you to be watching this online where you are, an amazing team that says, you know what, we're going to come and within all the restrictions of what's happening with our social isolation policies, we're going to bring worship to the people of God. The fact, everything that we have is awesome. But this isn't all that God has for us. And so somebody actually sacrificed for us to be having what we've got, for you to be watching this on the other side of the screen. When we start gathering again and we come into the building and your cute little rusty dusty sits on the seat, it didn't just fall out of the sky. Somebody paid a price for that to be there. Somebody's paying a price to stay connected to our kids during all of this season and not just our programs physically here, but to get stuff online, to get Zoom prayer things happening online. Somebody's paying a price. So it's good for what we've got thus far. But let me just say, we're not in survival mode, church. Sure, we've got some things around us, but we're not in survival. We're a resilient people. That's all right. We've just gotten ourselves kind of, okay, we're in a storm. But let me just say, the storm isn't just going to drive us where it wants to go. We know where we're going. There is a promise. There is a purpose. There is a hope. There is a future. So there's a resilience about us. So this is where we press in. We press in. So what needs to be cut away so that we can continue to prioritize the house of God. We can continue to prioritize the purposes of God. We can continue to prioritize the kingdom of God. He says, the children of Israel, they're going to go in, but let's make sure that we circumcise them again a second time. At every new level that God wants to take us into a deeper realm of his promises, there's always a time of cutting away. There's always a time of laying aside. We're in an enforced season. The issue is, are you going to waste it 
or are you going to lean into it and say, I'm going to run unhindered the next part of the race that God has before me. So he says, circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. Then it goes on. It says, when the circumcising of the whole nation was finished, I mean, just the visual right there on a Sunday morning. I know, church, it's like it's a bit much. When the circumcising of the whole nation was finished, they remained in their places in the camp until they were healed. So here is the issue, that there is a process between cutting and healing. And what happens with a generation that is just so infatuated with moving ahead that oftentimes we don't understand that God wants to give us a place of healing. Look, I come from a background church and some people on the other side of the screen. You would understand the pain that I'm going to talk about. When I was born, I was left in a hospital, unnamed and unwanted. I didn't even find that out until I was 33 years old. My brother got a letter from the government and that letter told him that he had been adopted. And when we went to confront my mum about that issue at that same meeting, my mother said to me, Christine, since we're telling the truth today, do you want to know the whole truth? And at 33 years old, I found out that I'm not who I thought I was. And I was, I grew up in, and I was adopted by Greek immigrants and, um, you know, so I, I grew up in the poorest zip code in my state in Australia, the poorest zip code in government assisted housing. And, you know, at a time where we were very marginalised because of our ethnicity, because of my gender, I certainly grew up in an era where if you were the, the child of Greek or Italian immigrants, you were extremely marginalised, mocked and ridiculed. To be a woman in the world that I grew up in, it was like in a Greek Orthodox culture, a, a woman was kind of one lean, mean breeding machine. And so the fact that, you know, I, I wanted to uh, kind of go to university and I wanted to excel with my life did not impress anybody around me. And pretty much every week of my life, for most weeks, for about 12 years of my life, I was sexually abused at the hands of four men. Now I know right there, for many of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And whether you know in light of so much that has happened in our world, whether you've experienced sexual abuse or physical abuse or emotional abuse or verbal abuse. The fact is the word abuse means to use an object for a purpose for which it was never designed. And for 12 years, I was used for a purpose for which God never designed me. And so I was broken. So when I came to place my faith in Jesus Christ... Although my spirit was born again, my soul was very, very wounded. My mind was very, very tormented. And I was gifted. God had placed his gift in me without repentance from before I even got to this planet. God put his gifts in me. God put his talents in me. God put his call on my life. But the fact is that the gift that was on me would have destroyed me because what was in me could not sustain me because I was cut but not healed. And when we have a generation that wants to outrun the timing of God, the process of God, because we're sitting at home and we're scrolling through everybody else's life, we're not living our own life. And because we're scrolling through everyone else's life, we're not allowing God to do a healing in our own life. And then we're going to come out of this and think, well, why should I be promoted? Or we're going to get frustrated at God and say, you stopped me in my prime. You stopped me when I, and God's like, no, I'm actually using this time to bring some healing 
healing into your life, to bring some deliverance into your life, to bring some wholeness into your life. This is the period that if you would allow me to do a deep work in you, I will be able to do a work that will astound you through your life. But the degree to which you allow God to do a work in you in this season is the degree to which God will do a work through you when we come out of this season. So this could actually be the most fruitful time of your life where your roots can go down deep because in many ways we're contained. You get to choose what's going to happen in the pot plant that you've just been put in. You can be in an intensive healing season of your life where a lot of those things that when you're just caught up in your everyday life and you're just running, running, half the time running from God rather than to Him. Right now, there's nowhere to run. So you can escape or you can say, Holy Spirit, come and do what you want to do in me. Because God, there's promises on the other side of this. God, there's a purpose on the other side of this. So Holy Ghost, come and deal with those unhealed wounds. See, what I had done and so many of us know how to do is there's so many untreated areas of woundedness and brokenness in our lives. And we wonder why we keep tripping over the same old thing. We keep going from relationship to relationship or job to job, or we keep staying tormented in our mind. It's because we will not allow the Holy Spirit to come and do a work in us, deep in our soul realm. 3 John 2, beloved, I pray you prosper and are in good health. How? Even as your soul prospers. You know, The fact is that God could be keeping a whole lot of us physically well. And I believe that for every one of us in our church. But you can be physically well and really sick in your soul. So in this season, while the attention of the world is on sickness and disease and infirmity, and you're going, why am I sitting at home? I'm being, you know, it's just so frustrating. I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to actually do a great work of healing in many of you. He wants to come and visit you if you would allow him. Some of you, you've got double deadlock padlocks around certain areas of your heart you've made vows no one will ever I will never trust like that I will never now's the time to give the Holy Spirit the key to those deadlocks and say come into those dark broken wounded places in my life do a healing work you see so much of what the Lord allows Nick and I to do today with 821 around the world with propelled 4,000 chapters in 88 countries around the world and you know you go wow look what God's doing with Christine I'm the kid that fits every government funding category on earth I was this unnamed unwanted abused and died look I I, I, I fit every category in Australia I was a marginalized oppressed dispossessed poor ethnic minority abused adopted chick I could make a fortune on government funding but here you go I read the book and my Bible says that he's redeemed my life from the pit that I don't need to live as any kind of victim, but we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who strengthened us. Sometimes we go, Pastor, you just, it's okay for you. You know, the fact is if you allow the Holy Ghost, I had to allow the Holy Spirit to do such a work of healing in me. And this is how God's going to use this whole circumstance that we're in right now. When we say that what the enemy meant for evil, God will. Turn, Romans 8, 28, and work everything together for our good and for his glory. Listen, I don't even hardly need faith to believe that because I'm a living example of that. Every time, during a time of pandemic, during a time when the whole world has shut down, this week alone, four 
People have been rescued, one in South Africa, one in the Ukraine, one in Germany, and one in Bulgaria. It shouldn't be happening. It shouldn't be happening. But let me tell you why people are still being delivered and rescued and miracles and signs and wonders. I believe this stuff because I've had to live it. But every time a girl, a child, a man is rescued, every time a trafficker is put in jail, I think, devil, you can stick that in your pipe and smoke it. I feel like Joseph to his brothers in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. He looked at them and he said, you meant this for evil against me, but God, he meant it for this very purpose to save many people alive. Let me just say what is happening in your life right now. You might be thinking, man, I've been attacked from the enemy. What about my job? What about my future? What about our family? What about our home? And I'm in this little cooped up little house. And you know what? You will stand there one day just like Joseph. And you might go, right now, I might be rearranging furniture in the pit. But the day is going to come where the enemy meant this for evil. But God is going to work it together. For your good and for his glory. It is my whole life. Who would have thought there'd be a whole A21, a global anti-human, one kid. I'll bet the devil wishes he left me alone. We rescued four alone this week, let alone the thousands throughout the last 15 years in the middle of a pandemic. So there is my deal that whatever you think the enemy has stolen from you, oh, your God is able to turn all things around, work them together for your good and for his glory. But you've got to give yourself some time to heal. Don't waste this time. We're going to discover for many of us that this is the greatest gift that God has given us of time. What you do with it is up to you. Because let me tell you, there's a promise on the other side of this. And I am milking every moment of every day because I'm coming in for greater harvest on the other side of this. I'm coming in for greater fruitfulness on the other side of this. But we've got to allow time to heal. Then the scripture goes on and it says in verse 9, And the Lord said to Joshua, today I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And so the name of that place is called Gilgal until that day. When the people of Israel were encamped in Gilgal, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month in the evening of the plains of Jericho. Church, this is for you because I just changed my message when I was getting ready to walk into the room, like literally. And um, I can't go past verse by verse without just stopping and saying, I want you to pause here. The children of Israel kept the Passover. Some of you, I know this is your first time logging in and you're like, man, we've got a lot of circumcising, a lot of healing and a lot of Passover. This is like like whatever. But I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is speaking to you right now. I want you to know the Passover is symbolic of Jesus Christ and the price that he paid for us. This is what I want you to know. And for us at Oceans, because I'm telling you, on the other side of this, we are going to be utterly amazed at what God has done in the midst of all of this. But what is happening is they stopped. So remember, this is 470 years, bondage, slavery, wilderness. Then now the River Jordan was just pushed back. They crossed over on dry land. I mean, this is awesome. We're thinking this, this is all going to happen. But then the Lord says, hang on a minute. How about we have a circumcision? How about we allow a moment to heal? Some of you feel like, cut what just happened in the last couple of weeks. Cut. God's saying, how about some healing in that? And then we keep the Passover, Jesus. They stopped before they went in, about to possess incredible promise. And the Lord's like, how about you fill yourself with me? See, as we go to step into the next phase of everything that God has for us, 
What are we filling ourselves with? I'm asking you, while we're in this time of social isolation, we're all over the world. The one thing in common we have, wherever you've logged in from today, we're all at the moment in lockdown in some way, shape or form. So here is the issue. What are you filling yourself with? Because before we go into any level of promotion, before we go into inherit the next phase of what it is that God has for us, we must be filling ourselves with Jesus. Why? Because it's all about Jesus. When we at Ocean's Church are talking about reaching more people, when we are turning about, talking about expanding our reach, it's actually about Jesus. It's about getting the name of Jesus out. It's about reaching more people with the hope of Jesus. The whole deal is about Jesus. So if you're not filling yourself with him, what have you got to give to anybody else? So what are you filling yourself with? What are you filling your mind with morning to night? Are you logged in to, are you on, on our Zooms and getting into our prayer groups? And are you staying connected? And are you reaching out to somebody else? What are you doing? What are you filling yourself with? So the Lord said to them, I know you're about to go in to the, get more of the promise, but I, I don't want you to forget me in the promised land. Stop, fill yourself with me. Fill yourself with me. This is an opportunity that has been thrust upon us to fill ourselves with Jesus. But if we're spending all of our time lamenting what we can't just go out and fill ourselves with, maybe Jesus is saying uh, that was intentional because you had stuffed yourself full of so many other things. There was no room for me. So now there's room for me. So how about you start filling? Don't waste this time. Don't look back. I said to the Lord this morning, I said, oh, I'm gonna, I want to come out of the other side of this with an A+. I want you to look down and go, oh, yeah, she passed that test really well. She came through that faith test and she filled herself with me. That's what I want to do unapologetically. I want an A+. I want that. Because we're a people of faith that can bring hope. But you can't give anything you're not full of. So if you're not full of peace, you go, but Christine, there is a global pandemic. I'm aware. But let me just say, and Pastor stood and talked about magnifying the Lord. That wasn't an accident. Because whatever whatever you magnify in your life is what will become bigger. You don't have to deny the facts to exalt the truth. So we are hyper aware of what is going on. Hyper aware. So we know the reality of what is happening. We're not Christians that are saying this isn't real. We are hyper aware that this is real. So I can know the truth and I can know the facts, but I can exalt the truth. I'm going to magnify the truth. I'm going to make God bigger than the facts. That doesn't mean I deny the facts. doesn't mean I throw them out. It just means I'm magnifying God in the midst of that. So I'm filling myself with Jesus. And when you look back, what would you have filled yourself with in this season? What did you magnify? Because you can only give what you got. And Jesus is, oh, he, let me tell you why I'm saying this. Because scripture says that Jesus is himself our peace. But Chris, I've got no peace. That means you're not leaning into Jesus. Because he is himself our peace. So what are you feeling? If you are filling yourself with the news feed, with every negative report, oh, I've got this symptom, this must mean that. I'm telling you, you're going to be full of stress and anxiety. You could just... Look at the headlines once a day, and then honestly, the whole rest of the day is that rehashed all the time, full of fear and doubt and negativity. So use this season. Feel yourself. I'm just filling myself with the word morning to night. My husband, we get up bright and early. He goes downstairs, and he's got the word playing. I'm outside. I've got the word. I've got. That's all I'm doing. 
So people are like, how are you such a, so at peace? I'm like, because I'm leaning into the Prince of Peace. Because he himself is our peace. Christine, in the midst of all of this, why are you full of joy? Uh, because guess what? The joy of the Lord is my strength. So if I'm, in a, but Christine, don't you know what's going on? Yes. It's not good. I know. I, I'm not saying it is. Absolutely it's not. But I was never getting my joy from the, uh, from the internet. I was never getting my joy from whatever was happening in the news report. I wasn't getting my joy from which way the stock market was today. I wasn't getting my joy. I, no, no, no. The joy of the Lord. So how am I staying strong in this season? Because I'm going to fill myself with him for my peace, with Jesus for my joy, with Jesus for my love. Because what fear will do is cripple and paralyze you and it'll pull you away and cause you to be restricted in this hour. And then what? You won't be generous with love or joy or peace or kindness or goodness or long-suffering or self-control. This could be the greatest season of spiritual growth in your life. I truly believe that. I truly believe the Lord's saying it's up to you, to his church. I, I, I put you in time out. I, I got two girls. There were times. You were going to go to your bedroom and you're in time out. So we are in an enforced time out. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? And so it says that they filled themselves with Jesus. They kept the Passover. Now, here we go. And the day after that Passover, on that very day, they ate of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. And the, can you imagine? 40 years in the wilderness and they ate that day something from the promised land that day? What would that have tasted like? Some of you, as I'm saying this, you're thinking, what would Chick-fil-A taste like right now? I know. Some of you have had your favorite restaurants and stores closed. Just imagine 40 years. Some of you are freaking out going, is she being prophetic? No, 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 no. But you go, they had not had this kind of food, most of them ever. But then it says, and the manna ceased. I want you to hear this because this is a word. And the manna ceased the day after they ate of the produce of the land and there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. The manna ceased. 40 years, God had done something a certain way. 40 years, God had dropped manna from heaven. You know, they didn't even need faith anymore. They knew we're going to wake up in the morning and there's going to be there. We're going to go there at night and it's going to be there. We don't even need faith because that's how God provides. And a lot of us have not been in faith for a really long time because we know this is how God does it. We've not woken up and prayed. We've not woken up and sought God. We've not woken up and lent into the things of God. No, 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 no. And all of a sudden we're freaking out because the manna ceased. Because the Lord's going, hey, guess what? (laughs) I'm not doing it like that anymore. I know you got used to it a certain way. Oh, we've mixed it up the last couple of weeks, haven't we? Because the manna has ceased. Because God's mean? No, no. Because he's prepared the food of the land of Canaan in the promised land. It's like you thought how it was, was all it was ever going to be. But I've got some Canaan food for you. I've got a promise for you. I'm doing it a new way. Nick and I, 
We've spent the last three decades, we've been married 24 years on Monday, you see tomorrow when you see this, uh, we're going to have been married 24 years. Well, we've spent almost all that entire time building the church around the world. And let me just say to you, there is nothing just more interesting than, than going to a church where God once moved on a song 20 years ago. And every week they keep running back to that song, trying to suck the anointing back out of it. And it's just like the children of Israel trying to go back and suck some nutritional value over something that was now moldy and stale and had no nutritional value for them anymore. The worst thing we will ever do as a church, and the church has done this historically because we want stability and security. And our famous last seven words of the church, we've never done it that way before. And God's saying, I'm not doing it that way again. That was good for that season. That was good for that time. So this is a time to do inventory in all of our lives. Where has the manna ceased? It doesn't mean what we were doing was bad. God's just going, it was good for them. How and what and how and in all of our lives, different spiritual practices. It was like, it's like, it doesn't make that bad. It was just good for them. But the manna has ceased and I've got something new for you. In fact, this is what's happening to us right now in this season, if you've got ears to hear. He said to Joshua, when you get into the promised land in Canaan, you dig your own wells. You plant your own corn. You see in the wilderness, because this is a wilderness Christian, we're coming out of the wilderness Christians. In the wilderness, God just drops it. You don't even need faith. It just drops out of the sky. God says, but I put something on the inside of you. When you go into the promised land, I'm going to put a demand on what I put on the inside of you. And so we're going to move from just enough every day into the multiplication of sowing and reaping seed time and harvest. What I instituted back in Genesis. Oh no, that's coming back. You see, manna is not seed time and harvest. Manna is just enough for today. And that's how most Christians have lived, had led our lives. Just in immaturity, like just enough for today today oh god if i just just matter just matter and god goes oh oh no for the end time harvest i've got so much i need you to have an abundance of joy an abundance of peace an abundance of resource an abundance of being able to move in the gifts of the spirit but here is the deal a wilderness christian will never understand a promised land christian a a, a wilderness church will never understand a promised land church uh, 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 when you just, uh, just just get by today, just enough for now, you, you don't understand overflow. And, and so you judge overflow, you, you condemn overflow, you've got opinions about what that might be. And, 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 and don't waste your whole time when we get out the other side of this. Don't waste your whole time when you've come into Canaan trying to explain Canaan provision to a wilderness mentality. It's just never going to work. So when you know God can supernaturally move where you are in the midst of it. And so I know naturally speaking and by faith, some of us are like, Chris, I just want manna today. If I could just get through. God is so faithful. I want you to hear this. God is so faithful. And he is able to supply all of our needs according to his riches in glory. I'm not just hyping you up or trying to pump you up. I'm telling you that this is a time where we go, okay, God, there's the facts here and there's the truth here. So Lord, I'm going to hang on to your truth. I'm going to hang on to your truth because I'm going to be faithful in the wilderness as you take me into my promised land. I'm going to take you there. So I'm going to look in what areas in my life you're not doing it like you did it before. We're not going to come back to just church as usual. 
Oh, no, because we're, we're going to you. We're going into our promised land. And so, so oh, 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 it's going to be church as unusual. That's what it's going to be. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But we, everything else is up for grabs. Everything is up for grabs. So then the scripture says in chapter 6, they did all of that. The manna ceased. They ate the fruit of the land of Canaan. And then here we go. And this is where most of us are right now. Chapter 6, verse 1, now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. Does that sound like anything that we're going through right now? And the Lord said to Joshua, see, see, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. See, Jericho, the thickest, most impenetrable walls in history, in, in any ancient history. 30 feet high, 20 feet wide. What do you do when you have done everything you know to do? What do you do when you've survived the wilderness? You've crossed the River Jordan. You've got your memorial stones. You've had a cutting. Ouch. You've waited for your healing. You've filled yourself with Jesus. You were faithful. You are so ready to move on to the promise. And so many of us were right there. We were thinking, this is it. God, we've done it your way. We've served you. We've been faithful. We've done it all. Father, we've done every, everything we to do that we know to do. What do you do when you've done it all right and you step into the promised land and the first thing you were expecting, milk and honey, and what you get is a wall? What do you do? We're in the promised land and you thought you were about to get the milk and honey. And then we get tightly shut in. No one comes in. No one goes out. God, that job, that course, that career, that ministry. Lord, you said it was the promised land. Lord, you said you'd protect me. We were going into the promised land. What do you do when the first thing you see in the promised land is a wall and not the milk and honey? Oh, the Lord says now, just in case you thought you really had anything to do with any of this, let me, let me just stick a wall there for a minute. Because um, when you get to the other side, because you're going to, when you step into that promise, because you're going to, uh, you're just never going to be able to say that you were that good. You're never going to be able to say that you were that rich. Oh, no, no. You're going to remember that there was a wall and that there was no way for this wall to come down. The greatest minds in the world can't work this out. The greatest economists in the world can't work this out. The greatest, those of us that think, you know, oh, I don't know. I don't know why God says so great. This is what I want you to do. I want you to see beyond the wall to the promise that I gave you. Because all of the promises in Christ Jesus are yes and amen. He who promised is faithful. He who started this work in us shall bring it to completion. So he says, I don't need you to focus on the wall. I need you to focus on the promise. I know no one's coming out and no one's going in. I know it looks thick and impenetrable and it looks like it's not, but this is all I want you to do right now. I need you to see. I need you to see beyond the bricks and mortar to what's on the other side. I need you to bring up those prophetic words again. I need you to look at the promises that are in my word again. I want you to see that I've given you that promise. I know what everybody in the world seeing right now is a wall. 
But I want you to see beyond the wall to the promise because the promises are there. But guess what? You're going to be surrounded by a lot of people that are full of fear and unbelief and not faith. And remember when that happened, Joshua? Remember all those years ago, 40 years ago, I sent 12 leaders. This is why you better be careful which leaders you listen to. And that's why you're planted in a good house, listening to leaders of faith. Because let me tell you, statistically speaking, only two out of 12 leaders are going to give the right report. All 12, the Moses called the 12 leaders of the tribes of Israel. They were all leaders. They were all anointed. They were all gifted. They were all talented. All of them. It doesn't say Joshua and Caleb were any more special than the others. All of them should have gone in. All of them should have inherited the promise. And I believe that's the will of God for us as a church. All of us are going to come out the other side and inherit the promise of God. But here is the deal. Statistically speaking, only two out of 12 will. Only two out of 12. Because you can look at exactly what everybody else is looking at. Oh, 40 years before this moment, they'd gone in and they'd looked. And they'd looked at the milk and they'd looked at the honey and they'd looked at the provision. They actually held the pomegranates. They looked at the giants and they looked at the walls. They all 12 looked at exactly the same thing. Looked at the same news feed. Looked at the same statistics happening around the world. Looked at the same economic statistics. Looked at everything the same. You can look at the same thing and see two different things. So when you look through the lens of faith, you will see through the promise of God. But if you're looking through the lens of fear and doubt, you will see fear and negativity and you'll die in the wilderness. And God never wanted anyone to die in this wilderness, but to move on into the promised land. But you've got to look through the lens of faith to see the promise. So 10 looked at what all 12 looked at, but they saw a different thing to the two. And they died. They're not even in this story that I'm talking about. But they should have been. They should have been. But the fact is they weren't. So you get to choose. You get to choose. So you better choose. And this is what the Lord said to him. He said to Joshua, this is what you're going to do. Because God gives really weird battle strategies when there's walls. You know, you would think, man, is he going to send a bomb? Is he going to blow the whole thing up? But he goes, no, no, this is what I want you to do. You're going to march around those walls. You Toga, sandals, shofar, you know, nothing. And you're just going to walk around those walls. This is what you're going to do. You're going to walk around. And you're going to do this every day. And actually on the seventh day, you're going to do it. Like you're going to, you're going to do it seven times. And imagine Joshua going, would there be a plan B? Would there, this is what a lot of us want right now. Is, is there a plan B? Is there something better? Is there something that makes more logical sense? Because God, what do you mean? What, what do you mean you want me to take another? Like, what? I've got to pray again. I've got to read my Bible again. I've got to get into worship again. God, that's like, but don't you know we're in a pandemic? And God's like, um, this wall, this wall, this, this is what I want you to do. I actually want you to walk around and, and I want you to pray. And I want you to believe me and I want you to cut out all the other junk in your life. And I love what he says this. He says to him in verse 10, but Joshua commanded the people, you shall not shout or make your voice heard, neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout. And then you will shout because this is what happened to Joshua. I'm sure he had a deja vu moment. He said, God, this is a really weird battle plan. 
God, I thought we'd be eating milk and honey by now. Some of you thought, man, I thought I was going to get that promotion. I, I thought this was going to happen. And look at the stock market. And I thought this was going to happen. And, and there's a wall. There's a wall. I, I'm in the promised land, God. I'm not in sin. There's a wall. What is going on? And, um, and then he thought, if I go back and tell them that God told me to march around this wall and just like pray, that's it. Then they're going to think I'm cray cray. And the role of the people is offered to think that it's their job to tell the leader, you're cray cray. As if we haven't thought we're cray cray anyway. Like we know, I know it doesn't make sense. I know. In our scientific, rationalistic, post-enlightened, materialistic world, I know this sounds weird. I know. You don't have to write me a letter. I know. So he said, okay, what am I going to do? If I go back and I tell them what God said, okay, they're going to, they're going to just tell me a million reasons why this is not going to work and why it's a dumb idea. And, it's, and he goes, look, last time that happened, we did 40 years laps around Mount Sinai. And I've got the T-shirt. I've got the DVD series. I've got the book. I've, I've got it all. So, I don't, so he came back and he said, thus saith the Lord. And this is what I'm saying to some of us today. Thus saith the Lord, shutteth, uppeth. That being interpreted means zip it. Don't say what you are feeling, what you are thinking, what your opinion is, what the naysayers are. If you cannot say what God says, then shutteth, uppeth. Because we frame our world with the words that we speak or tweet or write on Instagram or Facebook or whatever your social media is. And most of us, if we are not careful with the words that are coming out of our mouth, we're framing our future full of fear and full of doubt and full of negativity. And you're wondering why you're not sleeping at night. And you're wondering why you're full of anxiety because you're up and you're talking about the latest report, the latest death figures, the latest negativity, the latest fear. And so the Lord says, no, no, until you can say what I say, don't say anything. Bring your mouth into alignment with the truth of the Word of God. You don't have to rehearse the facts all day, every day. You don't have to talk about fear. We start talking about, well, what if, what if, what if? Listen, Jesus is in the future. We're not. He loves us. He's got a plan for us. And guess what? They are plans for good and not for evil. They are plans to prosper us and not to harm us. We just have to trust Him now. We don't have to freak out about what's happening in the future. And so until, until that wall comes down, we keep taking another lap. We pray again. We fast again. We believe God again. We keep sowing. We keep logging on. We keep serving. We stay connected. We get on our Zoom prayer. We do what we know to do. And we take another lap. And then God's going to go shout. And as quick as it came, we're going to go, I don't know what just happened. But the wall just came down. And all I know is yesterday I was eating manna. And it's a whole new world in Canaan. I've never really tasted of this milk, this honey, this pomegranate. That's what we're about to walk into. But until then, we take another lap. So what do we do? We use this season with wisdom. We cut away certain things. The Lord says, okay, time for a circumcision of the heart, an internal one. We're going to cut away certain things that we are going to allow the Holy Spirit 
to do the healing. This is a good time to get real with people in church, good people, leaders. It's like, okay, let me talk to you about my addiction, this thing I've been struggling with, this thing from my past. Listen, you're not going to get shame, guilt or condemnation here. You're going to get help and healing and wholeness and freedom here. That's what you are going to get. And so we find healing and then we fill ourselves with Jesus. We fill ourselves with Jesus. And then we move on. We go, okay, I'm, I'm, I don't want manna anymore. I, I, okay, I'm going to move on, God. You're not doing it that way. I'm moving in with where you're doing it. When I see the wall and I feel like I'm facing the wall and my four walls, some of you, you're listening to this with children in an apartment. You're like, I feel the walls coming in. <laughs> you feel it. The wall of Jericho is very real for you right now. And here is the deal. Will you just take another lap? Today, would you just take another lap? And believe that the grace of God will be with you in that situation. Would you just take another lap? And until we can say what God says, don't say anything. We're going to bring our mouths into alignment with the word of God. Oceans, God has an incredible, he didn't bring us this far for no reason. He didn't wake your pastor up in Boise, Idaho, give him a vision of the ocean and a church and move across the country from family and a very, very successful ministry for no reason. For no reason. It was for a purpose and a plan. And you're part of that future and you're part of that purpose and you're part of that plan. So we are going to be a people that in the middle of the wilderness and the middle of the famine, we are going to continue to move forward, to continue to trust God and believe that He is who He says He is. He shall do what He said He will do and that He who promised is faithful in Jesus' name. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for this incredible church. I thank you for every single person on the other side of the screen. Father, all over the world, people have logged in. And Lord, there's not one on the other side of this screen by accident today. They've tuned in in your divine timing, your divine plan, your divine purpose. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do what only you can do in this moment. Father, that we would be a people that would yield to a cutting, a fresh, beautiful Holy Ghost cutting that we would be more like you and that we would allow you. Father, there are specific people right now. Their heart is racing. and Father, that they would allow your Holy Spirit to bring healing and wholeness into areas that have been broken and torn and abused and violated and hurt. Memories that are tormenting people at night. Holy Ghost, that you would do a deep work in their minds right now, that this would be the first night that they've slept in weeks, all the way through, unhindered, untormented, in Jesus' name. Let it be, I pray, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, someone's going to tell somebody about something that happened to them many years ago. It's kept them bound. And Father, there's going to be wholeness, and there's going to be healing, and there's going to be freedom. Father, I just see a whole new realm of freedom in Ocean's Church, in Jesus' name, by allowing you to do a, a deep work on the inside. Father, that we just would not be satisfied by filling ourselves with the things of this world. But Father, we, I, I pray that you would put a supernatural, insatiable hunger for the Holy Ghost and the things of God in the people of this church, Father, and everyone that's uh, watching in Jesus' name. Let it be. And Father, we covenant as a church that we want to go wherever you're going. <laughs> and, and Father, we thank you for what you've done. And we know it's only 18 months, but God, you've accelerated everything on the planet. What used to take years is taking months. What took months is taking weeks. What took weeks is taking days. What took days is taking hours. What took hours is taking minutes. What 
took minutes is taking seconds. So, Father, there's a, a divine acceleration. We're seeing it all around us. So, Father, we say we have ears to hear. And wherever you're taking us, Father, we're coming. We're coming. We're coming. Lord, and whatever wall is there, Father, we covenant to be a people of faith. And we're just going to keep taking another lap till this wall comes down. Father, people might think we're weird because we're believing you. And they're going, why aren't you freaking out like the rest of the world? But we're saying, you know what? We're not denying the reality. There's a wall. But there is only one that's going to bring this wall down. And his name is Jesus. So we're going to keep taking a lap. A lap of prayer. A lap of fasting. A lap of faith. And we're going to keep taking a lap. And Father, we say that our mouth will come into alignment and in agreement with your word. Father, we understand that there is life and death in our tongue. So Father, we speak life and wholeness. I pray in Jesus' name. Everything to do with this pandemic, we will speak words of life, words of healing, words of hope over people, Lord, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, wherever you're listening to this, I want to hear a huge amen. God bless you, church. Love you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.